All right. Michael has a note up here that says, they didn't come for the sermon, they came for the announcements. (laughs) That's not true, he doesn't. I just wanted you guys to feel bad for me. Um, hey, it is good to be with you guys uh, this, this morning. This is, this is Passion Week. Um, if you're not familiar with what that is, that is the week that's leading up to, to Easter. Um, it's, it's the week where Jesus, like Olivia was talking about, entered into Jerusalem and, and all of the stuff that get the ball rolling for him to, to lead to the cross and then to his resurrection was happening this week. So this is a very special week in the church calendar. And uh, it also means we are coming to the end of our Lenten series, which is our, we call our 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I've just had, I've had such a good time during the 40 days. It's been, the, the events that we've had every Friday have just been really powerful. And I encourage you guys this Friday we're having our Good Friday service, and we're having Easter. And these, these two things, they're like the, the prime things that we really celebrate as a church is, is the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I want to encourage you guys to come on out and invite friends. But during the 40 days, we've been doing this series called Jesus Is. And this has been a, a, really, a series that I've really enjoyed, where we've looked at different characteristics of Jesus. We've looked at his divinity, that, that he is God. We looked at his humanity, that he's man. We, we said that he's, he's our teacher. He's our healer. Uh, we, we've gone through a lot of things. He's the servant. And, and this week, we are going to be talking about Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king. And this is a phrase that, that we hear a lot in the church. We talk about King Jesus, and, and you know we say, Jesus is on the throne, and we talk about he is the king, and, and that's a, a phrase that we, we say a lot, but sometimes I think it can lose its meaning a bit because we say it so often. And I, rem- I, I remember thinking at one point in my life that if Jesus is the king, it should really force us to ask a couple questions. If Jesus is the king, it should, it should force us to examine some things. And the first one is this, that if Jesus is king, if he's in charge, then why does the world look the way it does? If Jesus is king, then why do we have cancer? Why do we have racism? Why do we have addiction? Why do we have war? You know, fill in the blank. I remember when I walked away from the Lord, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up a Christian. In my early 20s, I, I, I really walked away from the Lord. And this is one of the main reasons why I did is I just thought, God, if, if you're so good and you're the king, then why is everything so messed up? Why is everything so messed up? And even now, 
I, I, look at, I look at things in my life, people I love. I, 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 I have friends who are going through horrible divorces. I, just this week, um, a, a, a girl I went to high school with died of an overdose. And, and you know, my mom is battling uh, cancer. And, and, you know, I have friends who are dealing with addictions and people who I love who have recently died and all of these things. And, you know, all you have to do is log on to Facebook or turn on the news and you're bombarded with the evilness and chaotic things in this world. Right? So are you bummed out yet? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, well, I've never really asked that question. Thanks for bringing it up, JT. <laughs> but if Jesus is the king, then why is the world the way it is? And, 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 and let me just say right off the bat is that is like a, a, a million dollar question and I don't want to give you like a five dollar answer th- this morning. It, there's a lot of mystery to it. And, and I'm going to attempt to maybe shed some light on it, but I, I'm going to tell you right up front that I'm not going to you know, leave you without mystery. But there's still going to be some struggle in it. And it's, it's also, it's a very important question. Even though we can't maybe totally answer it, I don't want to bury our heads in the sand and just ignore it. I want to address it a little bit today. And the second question I think we need to ask when we talk about the kingship of Jesus is if we are, if we are citizens of the kingdom, if we are under the rule and reign of Jesus, of the king, if we say he is our king, then what does that look like in our lives? How would our lives demonstrate that he is our king? Do you treat him as the king of your life. So hopefully today we can dive into those questions. And as we do, we're going to be talking about some, some, some theology. We're going to be digging into like some, some deep biblical text and, and looking at what the Bible says about suffering, what the Bible says about Jesus being the king. But before we jump into that, let me just pray. King Jesus, we can just invite your presence to be with us here this this morning. We just ask for your grace, for your truth. Would you just would you just speak to your people this morning? Amen. All right, so Jesus is the King. Um, This is is a perfect weekend to talk about Jesus being the king because we are celebrating Palm Sunday. Um, If you're not familiar with the story, Palm Sunday is the story where Jesus, it's it's coming to the end of his ministry. He had been going around uh, preaching the gospel, doing all these awesome things like healing the sick. He He had just got finished raising Lazarus from the dead. And this was one of his best friends. He raised him from the dead. And and you had this huge following. He was becoming like 
a, a rock star of the time. There was just always crowds following Jesus wherever he went. And this was him coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival. This is the big festival in, 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 in the Jewish faith. faith. It's, it's, it's really one, one of our biggest holidays. And so he's coming into Jerusalem and a huge crowd is waiting for him. And they're just celebrating. They're so excited for Jesus to come into Jerusalem. And they have these palm branches that they're waving, which basically means like you are the king and you're bringing us peace, you're bringing us freedom. It means a lot of really cool things. And they're shouting out Hosanna, which means save us. And they're chanting, Jesus is the king. You are the king. And I think the significance of this can get lost in our society today, but, but the idea of the kingdom that Jesus was the king of, the idea of the kingdom of God was the central theme throughout the Bible. See, they weren't just saying, Jesus, you're going to be the king uh, for, for our people. They were saying, Jesus, you are the king of the kingdom of God. And this is the central theme of, of the entire Bible. If someone was to come and ask me, what is the Bible about? The easy answer would be, it's about the kingdom of God. The entire Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 23 is about the kingdom of God. And so uh, the Old Testament is all about the kingdom and, and, and the New Testament is all about the kingdom. And, and, and when we talk about the kingdom, we need to understand that it's not talking about just a, a physical realm. It's not talking about Israel. It's not talking about Jerusalem. It's not talking about heaven. When we pray, let your kingdom come, we're not saying let heaven necessarily come. We're not talking about the church. We're not talking about America. The, the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. And if, if you want to find out more about the kingdom of God, uh, beyond what I, what, I, what I talk about today, I, I recommend a couple books on the bookshelf. We have one called The Gospel of the Kingdom by George Ladd. We have one called Breakthrough by Derek Morphew. They're excellent books about the kingdom. But George Ladd, he, he will say, the, the, when, we, when the Bible talks about the kingdom, it's not talking about a physical place. It's talking about the rule, the reign, the sovereignty of God, where God has his ultimate will exercised, where, where God's will is happening, where his rule and his reign is happening. So what is the, 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 the kingdom of God? Jesus said he came to, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And what is the good news of the kingdom of God? And, and to kind of understand what it is, is we would need to start all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and go all the way to the end in Revelation. And so we're going to do that today. Are you guys ready? You think I'm joking? Lock the doors, please. No. We really are going to do that, but I promise you'll get out. Um, so, Genesis chapter 1. God creates the universe. Right? God, he speaks the whole universe into existence. He says, you know, stars exist and the stars exist. 
He speaks, you know, all the planets, and they exist. And, and he talks, to, did you guys see the picture of the black hole? That's awesome. He created those things. He created it all. He created the earth with, with the oceans and the animals and all of the beauty of planet earth and, and the, his prized possession, the thing that he created that he loved the most and that he was most proud of was humanity. He said, this is very good. I really like these people that I made. And so for these people, he said, you know, I didn't create you guys to be my slaves. He said, I want you guys to co-labor with me. The Bible says that, that God gave humans dominion, dominion over the earth. And he charged us to subdue it, to rule over it, to care for it, and to have dominion, which means like authority over the earth. So he says, you know, I created all this. I'm ultimately in charge, but I'm putting you guys in charge of the earth. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 1. And, and essentially what Jesus is saying, what God is telling us is, you guys, here's the keys to the kingdom. You guys, you guys have fun. I didn't make you to be my slaves. I made you to co-labor with me. And that's awesome. That's really cool that we have a God who made us to, to work alongside of him. And this is a great thing, and it lasted all of like 15 minutes. I don't know how long it lasted, but we can, we can really probably in your Bible flip the page and it's over. Because what happens? We have the story of the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, it talks about how Satan came. Satan came to Adam and Eve and he said, you know, do you really think you can trust this guy, God? I mean, do you really think he has your best interest in mind? I mean, if you ask me, I feel like he's trying to, he's just trying to control you. He's afraid that if, if, you, if you do that thing, if you eat from that tree, you're going to be equal with him. He's trying to control you. Why don't you come on with me? And what's, the, what's the story? What does it say? Adam and Eve listened to the serpent. They listened to Satan. And, and they, they, they disobeyed. They rebelled against God. And essentially what happened is they took those keys that God gave to us and said, here, Satan, you can have them. Here are the keys to the kingdom. In theological circles, the fall of man is often referred to as the great forfeiture. And what we forfeited was that ability, that, that, that the, the keys to the kingdom, essentially. We said, Satan, you are now in control. And so the Bible talks about how Satan became the ruler of this age. He became the ruler of this age. Paul uh, actually refers to Satan as the God of this age, lowercase g, the God of this age. And so his kingdom was, was basically had dominion over the earth. And so what does God do? When, when we rebelled, when we, we, we said, here, Satan, here you go. 
Does God come into the garden and say, you guys made a mess of things. I'm out of here. You guys figure this out. No. No. And God's goodness comes to the garden. He looks at the serpent. And he says, I'm going to send someone. And you may bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And he will reestablish his kingdom. And the rest of the Old Testament is the story of the groaning and the longing and the desire of when is that going to happen? God, when are you going to send the, 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 the snake crusher? When are you going to send the one who will reestablish the kingdom? And they began to talk about this, this chosen one, this anointed one, and they began to call him the Messiah. The Messiah literally means the anointed one. And they, they began to, to, to groan and long for it. And we had all of these prophecies, all of these prophets who had come forth speaking about the coming kingdom and the, 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 the king who would lead this kingdom. And they, they began to talk about how this kingdom is going to be so amazing. It's going to be like a return to Eden. There's going to be no more death, no more pain. It's going to be beautiful. By the way, these are paraphrases of the prophecies. But they would say, it's, you know, this, this kingdom is going to last forever. It'll never crumble. It'll never be corrupted. It'll never be destroyed. And it'll be for all people. Every, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every race, it's going to be for all people groups. And the Messiah will sit on the throne. And, and this, this king... He's not going to just be a great king in the line of many more great kings. This king is going to live forever and be seated on the throne forever. No one will take his place. This kingdom will be everlasting and so will the king. More and more prophecies and in fact, there are over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. Over 300. And let me just say this. You know, when we, when we talk about our faith, the reason that my faith, one of the reasons that my faith is, 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 is as strong as it is, is because my faith isn't just a pie-in-the-sky faith. It's not just a blind faith that's, that's just based off of like, well, it doesn't it make any sense, but I'm going to believe it. Do you know, there's 300 prophecies that were written thousands of years before Jesus. We have manuscripts of them that are dated far before Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of those prophecies. They were talking about Jesus before Jesus even lived. There was a professor named uh, Peter Stoner. And he determined, he took the, just eight of the prophecies. 
He took eight of the prophecies, eight of the 300, and he said uh, the probability of fulfilling just these eight prophecies would be one in 100 quadrillion. It's a lot of zeros. One in 100 quadrillion. Or you can say it like this. If you took the entire state of Texas... Texas is, is enormous. If you took the entire, my, my mom grew up in West Texas and we would drive there when I was a little kid. It felt like, you know, it took like 15 minutes to get to Texas and then you like drove through Texas for like five days. It's enormous. And if you took the entire state and stacked silver dollars two feet high, two feet high, and then you marked one randomly with an X and just kind of randomly put it somewhere in that, pile, that two foot high statewide pile and you said, randomly pick a coin. You would have a better chance of picking that marked silver dollar than fulfilling eight of the 300 prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled every single one. That's why we can have faith. It's based on historical facts. And so we have all of these prophecies about the coming Messiah, all of these prophecies about the kingdom that's coming and, and the groaning continued and, the, and the, the, the crying out continued. You know, God, when are you going to send the Messiah to deliver us from Egypt? When are you going to send the Messiah to deliver us from the Babylonians? When are you going to send the Messiah to deliver us from the Greeks or the, the Romans or, or, you know, whatever it was? And it was just groaning out for, for, for the Messiah to come. And then an angel appears to a teenage girl. says, Mary, you're, you're going to have a baby. And, she's, and, 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 you know, she's got to feel like, wait, what? And the angel says, this baby is going to be special. This baby is the one we've been waiting for. It's the Messiah. It's the chosen one. Luke chapter 1, this is the words of the angels to Mary. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne. That, that throne to the kingdom that we've been longing for. And then baby Jesus is born. And 30 years later, he began to, uh, to, to, to start his ministry. He began to, to go around preaching about the kingdom of God, doing miracles and, and you know, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, giving the blind sight. Jesus said in Luke chapter four, he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. You know, this Jesus is series. If we want to know who Jesus is, probably the greatest source is to start with Jesus. Who does he say he is? 
And if Jesus says, the reason that I am here on earth is to tell people about the kingdom of God, that should tell us something. This was the central message of the teachings of Jesus was the kingdom of God is coming. Be prepared, the kingdom of God is here, it's in your midst. And he would go around declaring the good news of the kingdom. Everywhere he went, to Jews, to Gentiles, to men, to women, to free people, to slaves, to Roman centurion, to to everybody, the good news of the kingdom. But what is the good news of the kingdom? What is it? Because really, I want to go back to that first question. If Jesus is the king, then why is the earth the way it is? Why does a loved one suffer? Why am I going through this divorce? Why am I dealing with bankruptcy? Why am I going to lose my job? Why am I sick all the time? Why am I depressed? Why is there famine? Why is, you know, why is this, you know, fill in the blank. Why? See, when Jesus came to earth, he came to to introduce his kingdom, but he said, I will establish my kingdom when I return. See, Jesus often talked about the kingdom Um, As a future reality, he said the kingdom is coming. He said the kingdom is going to come. He said, "I, I, I must go back to heaven, but I will return. And I will return in glory and establish my kingdom here on earth. And so we believe that the kingdom is going to come. That there's this future hope that we have that God's kingdom that we've been promised is going to come and be established here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's good news. That's really good news. I I love reading about the the, the future kingdom. Revelation 21 is, I, I sometimes say this in sermons, but I mean it this time. This is my favorite piece of scripture in the entire Bible. I really do mean it this time, guys. Revelation 21. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. Uh, They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The kingdom will come to earth. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for for these words are trustworthy and they're true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. That's that's the good news of the kingdom. That's our hope that we have. 
One day, every tear will be wiped away. Everything will be made new. See, Jesus crushed the head of the snake on the cross. Yeah, his, his heel was bruised, but he crushed that snake's head. And the war is over. But the kingdom won't be fully established until Jesus returns at his second coming. And we can, we can put our hope and our trust in that. Just like we, the, the prophecies that were fulfilled in the Old Testament about Jesus, we can trust that that one will be fulfilled as well. And so typically, people think of the timeline of the kingdom like this. So they think of, so you can put up this, that chart. Here's how people think of the timeline of the kingdom of God. So right now, there was the present evil age. That's where Satan has the keys to the kingdom. And then we have the, the coming of Christ where he died for our sins. And then we have the return of Christ. And then after that is the age to come where the kingdom of God is here on earth as it is in heaven. But can I say something? I, I don't think that is what we see in Scripture. That's, that's not an, uh, what I believe to be an accurate description of what we are really experiencing today. What I, what I think we read about in Scripture is the kingdom of God, that future kingdom, that it is a future kingdom, but, it, but it's a reality today as well. And that's confusing. But Jesus, he would talk about, when he would preach, sometimes he would say the kingdom is coming. And other times he would say the kingdom is here. The kingdom is in your midst. Luke 17, Jesus says that to, his, to the people. He says the kingdom is in your midst. And he says it all over the place. And not only did he preach about it, he showed us. Every time he healed someone, every time he prayed for someone and they were delivered from demonic oppression or they could see, every time that that happened, that was a demonstration that the kingdom was there. And so today, we see evidence of the kingdom of God, don't we? Uh, just in the past month alone here at the church, we've seen people's shoulders healed where they were going to go into surgery they canceled their surgery because their shoulders healed. We saw people who had uh, lumps in, in their neck that were disappeared after prayer. We saw people who were on hospice care uh, get off of hospice. We just saw many healings just in the past month here just in this church. Those are signs of the kingdom of God. And so here at the vineyard, this is our our reality, this is what we believe the scripture teaches about the kingdom of God. You can put that next graph up. So we have the present evil age, and we have the return of Christ in the age to come, but in, in, in the middle is this box, right? Of the first coming to Christ, there's this box where the kingdom of God uh, is, is here, but also the present evil age is here as well, Right? And so we live in a time kind of in between times or, or what we refer to as the now and the not yet. The kingdom is now, but it's not yet. 
We get glimpses of the kingdom. We get tastes of the kingdom, but not in its fullness. We can experience the presence of God. I don't know about you guys, but I experienced the presence of God this morning in worship. And I saw some of you guys, it felt like you guys were too. We can experience, do you know before Jesus died on the cross, that did not happen. The presence of God was separated from his people. But the kingdom is breaking through. When we, pr- when we pray for people and they are healed, we are seeing the kingdom of God breaking through today. But sometimes we pray for someone and we don't see them healed. Because the fullness of the kingdom of God is coming. But, but here's a challenge for our church. And this is, this is for me just as much as it is for you. Let's be people of the future kingdom. Let's be people that press into that future reality of, of wiping every tear, of no more thirst, no more hunger, no more fear. So we get this amazing opportunity to be like time travelers. Where we get to go into that future reality, grab a handful, and bring it to today. Every time that you pray for someone, you you are advancing the kingdom. You are partnering with God and, and advancing his kingdom. Every time you give someone a meal who's hungry. Every time you, you are kind to someone who is, who is you know, going through hard things. Every time we do the work of the kingdom, when we worship him, when we, when we share our faith, every time we do that, we are being citizens of the future kingdom. And that is so awesome. We're like staking claims, saying, no, you know, that, that, that kingdom of Satan, not anymore. This is not your territory anymore. It's God's territory now. We get to partner with the king. And so why do all these horrible things happen? Why do we see death? Why do we see it? it, it I mean, it's, it, we're living in between the kingdoms. We get to see freedom. We get to see deliverance. We get to see healing. But we also, there's a groaning and a waiting for that one day when it will all be made new. And I, there, there's mystery in that. I don't know why sometimes it breaks through and why sometimes it doesn't. And that may, may be one of my questions when I come face to face with Jesus but we're living in between times. And one day it'll all be made new. And so let me ask you this. If you are a citizen of the king, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you you consider yourself a Christian, a kingdom person, what does that look like? 
What, what, what should our lives look like if we are, are uh, citizens of the king? If we believe that Jesus is king, then he deserves our allegiance. He deserves our obedience. We need to do what he says. And I don't mean this in a legalistic way. I mean, the, the gift of salvation on the cross, that's free. We don't have to do anything to earn that. We don't have to do anything to earn his affection, his love. That's all a free gift that's poured out. But Jesus is inviting us to be co-laborers with him. To be co-laborers with him, just like he was inviting Adam and Eve. We can partner with him, or we cannot. But it's our responsibility to obey him even when we don't understand. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even if we don't agree with what he's saying. When we open up the Bible and see the teachings of Jesus and, 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 and what it says in the Bible, it's our responsibility to say, I don't know why it says this. Maybe I don't even agree that it says this. But I'm going to obey it. Because he is the king, and I am not the king. So if you say that Jesus is the king, is he the king of your money? Is he the king of how you spend your money, how you save your money, how, you, uh, how generous you are, what you do, what you buy? Is he the king of your career? Is he the king of your sexuality and your sex life? Is he the king of your friendships? Is he the king of the way you talk, you know, what you read, what you watch? Is he the king at midnight when no one is watching? Is he the king when you're on a business trip and no one's going to know? Is he the king of your life or is he just the king on Sunday? And not just what the Bible teaches, but is he the king when, when, when Jesus says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to pray for that person? Do we say, yes, you're the king, I'll do it. Even though I don't want to. Even though I'm going to feel embarrassed. Is he the king when, when he says, hey, I want you to go give money to that homeless person, even though you're like, man, I feel like that homeless guy is just going to buy drugs. It doesn't make sense to do that. Does he have our allegiance more than our political party has our allegiance? When our political party is doing something that doesn't line up with the word of God, when, when a politician is saying or doing something that doesn't line up with what Jesus teach, teaches, do we defend it? Or do we say, no, that's wrong? Is he the king of your social media? What you post on Facebook? He is the king. 
And for some of us, that feels domineering. I, I, you know, I remember one time, this was kind of when I was beginning to kind of walk away from the Lord. I was just, I still believed in Jesus. I still was, a, I would say I was a Christian, uh, but I was just buck wild. I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and I had a co- coworker say to me, you don't, you don't seem like a Christian. And I, I, I remember like, not knowing whether that was a compliment or not. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it doesn't seem like you do the stuff that the Bible talks about. And I, like, it stung. <laughs> he, he was right. And I still think about that. Does my life demonstrate that Jesus is my king? Would it demonstrate to my coworkers? Would it, would it look that way to the, my neighbors? And like I was saying, that can feel domineering, that can feel like oppressive, and like, you know, some of us were like, man, I don't want to be under God's rule. That feels gross. That feels uh, like, that, that, that doesn't feel like love to me. That feels like oppression. I want freedom. And that's what I wanted. I wanted freedom. I wanted to do what I wanted and not be controlled. But let me just tell you, that, that allure of freedom was the same lie that Adam and Eve believed in the garden. Because it's, it's, it's an illusion. It's not freedom. What you're doing is you're, is you're, you're, you're saying, I don't want to live under your rule, God. I want to live under this rule. Because there's two kingdoms, guys. That's it. There's two kingdoms. And you're either on this side or on this side. You're not neutral. And the freedom that we think we seek, it is bondage. And what Jesus came to do on the cross was to break that bondage and to set us free into his kingdom of life. Because his king, see, he made you. He, knew, he made you for a reason. He made you, and he has good intentions and works planned for you. So what he's calling you to do isn't oppression. What it is is it's, it's freedom. It's helping you learn to thrive and be who God made you to be. And let me say this. If it feels like oppression or if it feels... Like something like, like, you know, gross to you. Let me just say it's because we don't know the king well enough. In my, time, in my life, when I've, when I've gone through that, when God's asked me to do something and I feel like that feels oppressive, I realize, I quickly say, oh, I don't know my king well enough. Because he is a good king. He's a very, he is an amazing king. This king, so full of love, created you out of the love he had for you before you even existed. He's kind, he's generous. He wants to, he wants to see you prosper. He's your dad. He's your heavenly father and he is, he is the prototype of the perfect father. The best father in history is just a, you know, a dim reflection of how amazing this father is. 
He wants to wrap you in his love. He wants, he wants to, to, you to live the life that he's created you to live. So the question isn't whether you're gonna serve God or have freedom. The question is, are you gonna have freedom and serve God or bondage and serve the other kingdom? See, this king is so good that he didn't just say, you've blown it, you go figure it out. Or there's this battle going on and I'm gonna put you in the front line and you're gonna fight and give your life. He said, I will come to earth, live a humble and meek life and die a brutal death for you. That's how much I love you. We have a good king. And so I wanna end by showing this video, you can start queuing up the video, but I just, I just wanna say as, as we start this video, there are some images of the, the crucifixion and stuff on that, and so if that is something that you're sensitive to, I just, I just wanna give you a warning now, but this video is, is, is about the goodness of our king, so. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible.
just scratches the surface. Why don't we stand? You know, I, f- I feel like the king is here with us. That same king who spoke the universe into existence that everlasting king who will be on the throne forever. He's here. He's here. He's calling you. He wants to meet with you. And so I feel like the Lord wants to do a few things as we end here and, and, and go into ministry at time. First of all, I feel like there's, there's some, some, some healing that, that God wants to do this, this morning. And so there's a couple things I felt like God was, was saying. Arthritis, if you, are, uh, if, arth- if you struggle with arthritis, I feel like God might have some healing for that. I also feel heart conditions. Um, and so if either of those things apply to you, I want to invite you forward to get prayer. But if you have any need, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, you know, just circumstantial, we want to invite you forward to get prayer, to meet with the king. Um, but I also just felt like there are some people here who have uh, never, like, really sworn allegiance to the king. Like, you've never said, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for you then. And I wanna invite you forward too to receive prayer. And, and finally, I also just felt like there are some people here who struggle to see the goodness of the king. Um, you might be going through some hard stuff right now. And so the idea that he is good and that he, you know, all of those things about him is just a struggle for you. And I feel like the Lord wants to meet with you uh, this morning. So Olivia is going to lead us in one last song, but I just want to invite you forward to come and receive prayer. So just make your way forward and we, we'd just be really honored to pray with you.